Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. He starts with praise to God. Notice he started back here. He says, God, there's no one like you in all the earth. That's a great thing to say when you begin prayer. Because normally when we're praying, we're thinking of these huge mountains in front of us. Impossible things. And the more we pray about them, we go, ah, you know. You start with faith and sometimes as you pray with all these needs, you end up with like, this is impossible. Why did I even pray? Whether you're a leader of a congregation, the leader of a small group, or the leader of your home, the most powerful way to communicate the importance of worshiping God is to set an example. When others hear your prayers to the Lord, see your life lived according to the Word, they can see how to go about it themselves. Artists are inspired by others' work. Writers are inspired reading others' books. Pastors are inspired hearing others' teaching. And others will be inspired to worship when they see how God works in people. Spreading the truth doesn't have to mean setting up a pulpit on a street corner, but rather proclaiming His name through your life. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the book of Second Chronicles chapter 6, verse 1 for part one of our message entitled, Seven Keys to Real Success. Now the temple, the first temple that God allowed Solomon to build is finished. And as we learned, it's furnished. The glory of the Lord has come down to show his approval. We begin in chapter 6, verse 1. Then Solomon said, The Lord has said that he would dwell in a dark cloud. I have built a magnificent temple for you, a place for you to dwell forever. While the whole assembly of Israel was standing there, the king turned around and blessed them and said, Bless them. Then he said, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who with his hands has fulfilled what he promised with his mouth to my father David. For he said, Basically, what you see here is God keeps all his promises. One of the things that we can be assured of tonight Solomon was reminding the people that God had promised to come to bless the temple, had made the promise to David that it would happen, and all of those promises have come true. The Bible tells us that God cannot lie. So that means when we see a promise in God's word, it will come to pass. Now we have to be careful that you don't read things into the promises of God. For there are some that have the if statement at the beginning. We'll see that later. But some are just absolutely there. They're totally 100% on God's part. All the end time things are there. Some of you may think, well, you know, I've really blown it this week and whatever. No, Romans 8 says, God is for you. Well, he's really against me now. No, he's for you. 
He's for you. He wants you to repent, but he's absolutely for you. Verse 5, since the day I brought my people out of Egypt, I have not chosen a city in any tribe of Israel to have a temple built for my name to be there, nor have I chosen anyone to be a leader over my people Israel. You remember when God initially started the children of Israel, there wasn't to be a king. They didn't really have a place, a temple. God was just with them and he was their leader. But now I have chosen Jerusalem. For my name to be there, and I have chosen David to rule my people. So Solomon is just kind of taking a little memory lane and going back and saying, remember, God's in charge. His sovereign will chose Jerusalem, how interesting, to be the main city in those days. Today, it is still the main city of all the world. It's interesting to me, I'll never forget the first time we drove into Jerusalem on one of our Israel trips, our first one, and it was dark and there was a full moon and we were driving into the city and really there wasn't, in the daytime, there isn't much beautiful really in the city, just a lot of stone and whatever, but there's just something about it. It's definitely the city of God. Those of you that have gone to Israel, when you, when you drive in and, and it's just, it's just unbelievable. You see a little bit of what's there in the Western Wall and whatever in the city of Jerusalem, it's, it's just awesome. So God chose Jerusalem. Most of us would have thought he would have chosen some huge major city in a, in a major metropolitan area. He chose little old Jerusalem, which is still to this day and will forever be, till we get a brand new heaven and earth, the city of God. Verse 7, my father David had it in his heart to build a temple for the name of the Lord the God of Israel. Again, you're going to see that, and you'll see that over and over again in much of our teaching. Our relationship with God is about our hearts. It's about keeping our hearts soft, keeping them open. Notice the temple was never about man, but it was always about God. As we continue to build here, and sometimes you wonder if the building will ever finish here, because we just finish one project and start the next. Well, that's good. That's healthy. But it's not about buildings. It's about God. Verse 8. But the Lord said to my father David, Because it was in your heart to build a temple for my name, you did well to have this in your heart. Nevertheless, you are not the one to build the temple, but your son, who is your own flesh and blood, He is the one who will build the temple for my name. Let me just stop for a moment. See, David had it in his heart to do this for God. God isn't saying that was a bad thing. It was a good thing. But what he's saying is this. It was in your heart, but it wasn't in my plan for you. See, sometimes in our own lives, we kind of have it in our heart to do this, to do that to do this. They're good things. And then we kind of get bummed out because God doesn't seem to open that door. Well, God has a plan for us and his plan is always the right thing. So even when young people come and different people come from time to time and say, you know, I believe God's calling me to do this. I said, well, let's just wait. You pray, ask him to open doors. And sometimes later they'll come back and say, well, that was really in my heart, but God moved me over here, but I'm really happy over here. 
And I've also seen people who are over there, but they wish they were back over here. You can't do that. David had it in his heart, but God said, no, this isn't for you. And so he said, fine, and he went on with it, and he allowed the joy of the Lord to be his. So maybe you're not where you think you should be tonight. If you're here, be all here. You see, we want to be there or there. Well, if God has you here, then just be here, all of you. Because if you're in this dream world, we'll never accomplish anything. Verse 10, the Lord has kept the promise he made. I have succeeded David, my father, and now I sit on the throne of Israel, just as the Lord promised. And I have built the temple for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. There I have placed the ark, in which is the covenant of the Lord that he made with his people of Israel. Now we come to the longest prayer in the Bible. It's really a dedication prayer. Verse 12. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the whole assembly of Israel, and he spread out his hands. Now he had made a bronze platform, five cubits long, five cubits wide and high, and had placed it in the center of the outer court. He stood on the platform and there knelt down before the whole assembly of Israel and spread out his hands toward heaven. Solomon had this little platform built for himself, and he stood there to address the people. And he was going to offer this prayer. But before he really did that, I think it's very interesting, and you kind of have to put yourself in there. Solomon knelt down before the people and before God. If this was the, the sanctuary, and Solomon, and you know, you have a million people out here. The king, not just a little old pastor, the king. And he kneels down in front of the people with his hands out to God. What do you think went through the hearts of the people? Do you think that was a good thing for a leader to do? See, when the king knelt down, what he was saying is this. There's only one person we want to worship. And it's the one and only true God. It was a great sign of humility. Now, he could have done the other. Hey, look at the temple I just built. Great guy. Good builder. Lots of bucks. Great organizer. Look at the spreadsheets. And we even built it on time. I don't know if that happened or not, but whatever. <laughs> Could have done that very easily. But he got on his knees before the people and before God. If you're a leader, humility is an absolute requirement. You see, we have all these things of leadership today, and I get all these things in the mail. I don't see too much. Come and learn how to be a leader. Come and learn how to be humble. But that's the key. See, Jesus was humble. If you're a leader tonight, any kind of small group, home group, music, whatever, you make sure that you pray for humility. Because that's what we need. And when he got down before those people, I mean, you could see those people going, wow. 
The king got down. It's a good example for me. And see, as people see us as leaders, serving, being humble, they'll gravitate to that because there's an honesty. And God always honors people that honor him. That's what it's about. Verse 14. Here's his prayer. And he said, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven or on earth. You who keep your covenant of love with your servants, who continue wholeheartedly, you might want to circle that word, in your way. You have kept your promise to your servant David, my father. With your mouth you have promised. With your hand you have fulfilled it as it is today. Now, Lord, God of Israel, keep your servant David, my father, the promises you made to him when you said you shall never fail to have a man to sit before me in the throne of Israel. If only your sons are careful in all they do to walk before me according to my law as you have done. And now, O Lord, God of Israel, let your word that you promised your servant David come true. So he's just reminding God what God had made in promises. But notice something back here in verse 16. You will never have to have a man that will sit before me on the throne of Israel. Notice there's an if in that statement. If only your sons are careful to do all to do to walk before me. We will see that the reason this did not come is because the sons did not do what God asked them to do. Now, the foundation of the prayer is the next four verses. But will God really dwell on earth with men? The heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. And give attention to your servant's prayer and his plea for mercy, O Lord my God. Hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is praying in your presence. May your eyes be opened toward this temple day and night. This place of which you said you would put your name there. May you hear the prayer your servant prays toward this place. Verse 21. Hear the supplications of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place. Hear from heaven, your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. I think there's a couple things here that I want to remind us of when we begin as we'll go through this prayer fairly quickly because we don't have a lot of time tonight. Notice he's praying this prayer out loud. That's a good thing to do. When you have your quiet times in the morning, one of the good things to do, or the evening, whenever, is to pray your prayers out loud. And that does a couple of things. It also reinforces it in your mind as you're doing it. And it also keeps you awake. None of you ever have a problem falling asleep when you're praying, do you? No, Pastor I know better. Now, I don't have a problem, but I know you have a problem. <laughs> Remember the thing we talked about humility a moment ago? It just went out the window. No, we all do. Now, one of the things I do, you know that from my journaling, is I quite often write my prayers. That also keeps me awake. But sometimes just verbalizing them. Try it tomorrow. Take five minutes, ten minutes, whatever you do, and just 
just like you were read here, say your prayers out loud. It's good. It reinforces it. Notice also in this prayer here, before Solomon begins to list the areas that he has needs, he starts with praise to God. Notice he started back here. He says, God, there's no one like you in all the earth. That's a great thing to say when you begin prayer. Because normally when we're praying, we're thinking of these huge mountains in front of us. Impossible things. And the more we pray about them, we go, ah, you know, you start with faith and sometimes as you pray with all these needs, you end up with like, this is impossible. Why did I even pray? So he starts by saying, hey, there's no one like you. The God of the universe I'm getting ready to pray to. You're bigger than any of my problems. All right, let's pray. You get it? So start realizing the focus should be on God first, then the needs as you move along. Now notice a couple times through here, something very important for us. In fact, this last verse here in verse 21. Hear the supplications of your servant. Hear. Our God is a hearing God. We say it, we think about it, but sometimes we forget He is listening to us. Sometimes we just pray as if man's the only one listening. No, God is listening. He's a hearing God tonight. So when you pray, just remember that. Now here's the seven areas, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time with them tonight because I have too much to go through, but you could do a little more in-depth if you like. Seven areas that Solomon is going to pray about. Now what's really interesting is this. Solomon is going to pray these areas because God is doing this. He's giving him a glimpse of the future. God is going to say to Solomon, here's where I want you to pray. And he's kind of opening Solomon's eyes to what the nation of Israel will go through. And he's saying to Solomon, I know the future for Israel. I know the roads that Israel are going to go down. I know men's hearts. So here's the area that Israel is going to go to. These things are way in the future, but you need to pray for them. And these people, when they hear this, will then eventually know how to pray when they get in this bind. God knows our future. He knows everything that's down the road. And we don't, but he does. And because of that, as we look at this, we can feel confident that as Solomon prays this prayer for the children of Israel, because these things are going to happen, you know, 10 years, 50 years, 100 years, 200 years, 300 years down the road, He's really interceding for those people and the things that are going to happen. This is a great thing to learn to do if you're a parent or a grandparent. You see, we have our children or our grandchildren, and they might be at this age here. I don't know specifically what's in front of the lives and the roads and the path that's down there in front of my children and grandchildren, but if I know human mankind, there's a lot of stuff that's headed down the road. So what do we do now? We begin to intercede today for our kids. Some of you have younger children. Begin interceding for your children to have a Christian mate, a husband or a wife that loves God. You say, well, they're only four years old. I don't even want to think that way. Begin now. Begin praying for their heart to remain soft. 
See, there's a lot of stuff ahead. And so this is what Solomon's doing. He, he's beginning to intercede for these people. Well, the seven areas that you see there simply are these. Crime, enemy attacks, drought, famine, pestilence, foreigners in the land, captivity, and sin. We'll go through those very rapidly. Now, in these seven specific areas, we see this pattern of prayer. It's describing the need, then a prayer and confession, and then asking God to hear, forgive, answer, and reverse the situation. This is a great way, one of many great ways to pray. Define the need for God. You say, well, the Bible says God already knows my need before I ask. Yes, but see, this is about communication. Sometimes in marriage, we don't do very well because we're not defining our needs for our spouse. One of my whole chapters that we go through, uh, the pastors, as we do marriage counseling, is being able to state your needs so that the other spouse knows what your expectations are. So tomorrow morning when you pray, just state the need for God. This is the area that I'm hurting in. This is the area that I'd ask you to minister to. And then, God, please hear. Hear my need. And if there's an area in your life that's wrong, just ask for forgiveness. And then say, God, somehow reverse the situation. Somehow in your plan, in your timing, in your will, reverse the situation. Well, let's take a look at crime in verse 22. Again, we're going to go through these very quickly. When a man wrongs his neighbor and is required to take an oath, and he comes and swears the oath before your altar in the temple, then hear from heaven and act, judge between your servants, repaying the guilty by bringing down on his own head what he has done. Declare the innocent not guilty, and so establish his innocence. Verse 24, when there's enemy attacks. When your people have been defeated by an enemy, because why would they be defeated by an enemy? Watch here. Because they have sinned against you, and when they turn back and confess your name, praying and make supplication before you in this temple, then hear from heaven, forgive the sin of your people, Israel, and bring them back to the land you gave them to them and your fathers. Did Israel ever have a problem with that? See, we go, <laughs> Israel really had a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that. We don't. Do you know tonight, if the people who once knew God would do what this is, We'd have to go to a billion services a week in the whole communities. It's because they have hard hearts and they haven't turned back. So that's a great thing to do. I pray that this week you'll run across somebody who's been backslidden. And you tell them, you come Sunday, God's still for you. And you can find out the path. You got off the path, God's got a path for you. I believe that God will bring some of you across a person like that. See, God's heart's still for them. So this is what he says to Israel. This is going to happen. The children of Israel... We'll repent and go back. And when we continue on and, and do Ezra and, and Nehemiah and so forth, we'll see all of this when they went against God. Drought. We don't need to read that one tonight because we're, we're not sinning. But again, <laughs> uh, when the heavens are shut up and there's no rain because your people have sinned against you, well, again, that just shows you that sometimes God can use the natural things to, to point out to men. That there's a problem. You remember when Elijah was there and, and uh, all that problem that it wouldn't rain for X number of years and so forth. Solomon's prayer to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel was inspiring and instructive. As Pastor Mark pointed out, our God is a hearing God, and when we go to Him, He listens. Pastor Mark gave us some guidelines about how to go to Him in prayer, especially because we're all susceptible to distractions. 
we should describe the need, confess our sins, and be open to the forgiveness that the Lord gives us. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. The messages that you hear each day here on Lessons for Living were produced from messages that Pastor Mark shared at the main campus in Melbourne. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now, the next time you join us here on Lessons for Living, We'll see how the temple served as a beacon to surrounding peoples, loudly proclaiming the sovereignty of the God of Israel. Pastor Mark will liken that purpose to the one set before us as Christians today. The Old Testament proclamation will line up with the New Testament one, both aiming to point people to the one true God, the one who can forgive and save. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Palmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right.